I would like to give thanks to the ancestors, known and unknown, those who have paved the way for us to survive this moment of time and to have a reference point to use as a blueprint to deal with these hellish times we are living in. I would also like to give honor and reverence to the woman of the universe for your superior work, for bringing forth the spiritual information through the triple stage of darkness of your womb and giving birth to God. We would like to give reverence to the universe and praises to the indigenous. My name is Raheem Shabazz and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast. Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. Yo, check out the award-winning docuseries Elementary Genocide. This docuseries provides a critical expose of mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and the connection between slavery, capitalism, and the prison industrial complex. This docuseries features Dr. Umar Johnson, Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, Killer Mike, David Banner, Professor James Small, Kaba Kamene, and so many other people. Check out Elementary Genocide, the school to prison pipeline, Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration, and the latest installed Elementary Genocide 3, The Academic Holocaust. It's all available now at elementarygenocide.com. Tune in for the drop. I am Dr. Kira Taylor, and when I'm tired of listening to fake news, I will listen to some real news, and I will check into the Necessary Blackness podcast with my friend Raheem Shabazz. Raheem Shabazz is one of my guys from way back, and you're now listening to his show, Necessary Blackness Podcast. Stay tuned. This is a cool of Cultivated Roots Media, and I choose to tune in to Necessary Blackness because staying connected to my blackness is very necessary. If you want the latest in fashion, check out Gorilla Republic Afro-Indigenous Clothing. The high-stitch density hoodies are made from 100% cotton and available in seven different colors. Gorilla Republic. The clothing brand's mission is to stimulate minds and expand the dynamics of thinking in our inner cities and motivate individuals to take proactive approach to life through education, self-reliance, and preparedness. So, go to GorillaRepublic.org and order your apparel now. Peace and Black Power. This is Iapo Moyende Ngina, the organizer of the first annual Sovereignty Summit taking place in Tampa, Florida, Sunday, April 8th. This dynamic event will feature a series of hands-on workshops that are going to be pivotal in establishing what sovereignty looks like for Africans in America and abroad. The workshops will be hosted by Professor James Smalls, award-winning documentarian, Raheem Shabazz, myself, Iafo Ngina, Oshun Shango, Nkoyo Ojuwoke of the Uhuru Academy, and Brother Michael Muhammad of the local Nation of Islam in Tampa. We will also host performances by Tahir RBG, Luna, Lotus Love, 
Vintage Tux, and also in Koyo Oji Woke. There'll be a dynamic marketplace of black businesses featured at the event. And to top it all off, this dynamic event is being held at the Tampa Heights Junior Civic Center, which is a black-owned institution in Tampa. Again, the date is Sunday, April 8th. It begins at 1 p.m. And that will be located at the Tampa Heights Junior Civic Center, which is located at 2005 North Lamar Avenue, Tampa, Florida. For more information, contact IAPO at 813 813- 843-4717 or you can email me at eyapoengina at gmail.com that's i-y-a-p-o-n-g-i-n-a at gmail.com forward to black sovereignty peace and black power family this is your host Raheem Shabazz and I am here for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast I know everybody wants to know what the hell is going on. I've been missing in action and I have good reason, family. I have been extremely busy. I mean, when I say extremely busy, I mean extremely busy. As many of y'all know, I have been traveling extensively. We have been to Virginia. Shout out to Conscious Planet and House of Consciousness. We've been to DC, Sankofa Video and Books. Then we went to Salisbury, Maryland. Shout out to them brothers and sisters up there. Um, Many of them wasn't expecting me. Only a few knew I was coming through. They was doing a screening and I just showed up and um, wind up doing a lecture for about 45 minutes. So that was real good. And um, the brothers and sisters was very excited to see me. And then from there, I went to New York City where I got a chance to chop it up with Sarnetta of Sarnetta TV, and you can go check that interview out on Sarnetta's YouTube channel, as well as the Necessary Blackness Podcast YouTube channel. Now, our channel is relatively new, so we need each and every one to please go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are trying to get our numbers up in no limit of time, so make sure y'all help us out and get those numbers up. Also, I would like to announce that Elementary Genocide Documentary Series is nominated for Sarnetta TV Awards, and the awards goes down July 7th in New York City. So make sure y'all go support that. Go to Sarnetta's page and purchase your tickets now. The next day after that, I was honored to do three screenings in one day in Brooklyn at Mega Everest College. Shout out to the brothers and sisters that came out, the students and faculty. That was a monumental moment for me doing three screenings and a lecture in one day. From there, I headed back down to Atlanta. Before I got to Atlanta, I stopped in North Charleston, South Carolina. We did a screening at Central Station. And then from there, I went to Miles College in Fairfield, Alabama. And this has been my second year in a row. Every Black History, the brothers and sisters over there, they definitely make sure that I'm present and my name is on the bill. 
So shout out to Clarence Muhammad and the brother Demetrius. So I get back in Atlanta. I'm here for a few days. And then I do a screening in College Park at Muhammad's Mosque 15B. Shout out to those brothers and sisters over there. So that's what I've been up to, family. I haven't been over here slacking. I've been busy, busy, busy. In addition to that, as many of y'all know, I am penning a book. So I've been doing a lot of research, a lot of writing, and just trying to stay busy. All right, family. So this week's topic, what we're going to discuss is the situation that's going on in South Africa. Then we're going to talk about arming teachers and racism in America. And today, I have my lovely co-host, Shannon. She's in the building with me. And she's going to co-host with me for today. So what's going on, Shannon? How you doing? Welcome to Necessary Blackness Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here with us today. Hey, Raheem. I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Um, Your studio is awesome. And again, I'm actually honored to be here. Uh, We appreciate everything you do for the community. All your contributions and everything are very much needed. Your voice is needed. And I'm just happy to be here. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Now, me and Shannon, we go way back. Um, Shannon is a sister that has been involved in community engagements and have love for black people and black culture. And that's what we have to have as a people. Because if we don't love ourselves, ain't nobody going to love us. True. So we ain't going to waste no more time. We're going to get right into it. Now, last week, family, South Africa lawmakers, they voted 241 to 83 on a motion to seize the land from white owners, colonizers, and transfer that land back into the hands of black citizens without any financial compensation, and rightfully so. However, there are those, both black and white, that don't agree with this decision and we're going to discuss that today. So Shannon, I would like to ask you, what are your thoughts on this situation and when you first heard the news about South Africa taking the land back from the white colonizers and giving it to the citizens without giving them any financial uh, compensation, what was your thoughts on that? My initial thoughts was that it was about time. Um, When I heard the news, I was actually in South Africa at that time. I was in Cape Town and um, a friend of mine was going to take us into the township, which is like their hood, to, to have lunch. And he said we couldn't go that day because they were rioting. And they had blocked off the streets and the police were there and it was about the the distribution of the land. But I I think it's about time because if if anybody's researched that that situation in South Africa, it's like three percent. I may be off with that, but it's like you correct. Yeah, three percent of the people own like 97 percent of the resources. And if you go and you see how the black people live, they live in shanty towns and you go to. The white area, which is where our hotel was, is is glamorous, it's luxurious, and it just it, it's like they've robbed these people of everything while they live 
like kings. Now, when you say they was rioting, are we talking about black folks rioting? Yes, black black folks. The black South Africans were rioting. Um, I guess you know in America we would say they were tearing up their own their own neighborhoods, but they were they were out there burning cars and all types of stuff. It, it was actually more intense than the riots we might have here. But yes, I don't think it was a riot. I think it was a celebration. Yeah, probably. and they was letting white South Africans know in advance that we're going to get this land back by any means necessary. And what we have to understand, family, is that when you give a person a taste of their own medicine, they will tell the world that you poison them. And that's exactly what's happening in South Africa. Now that blacks are getting the land back that was rightfully theirs and the white settlers are not getting any compensation, they are telling the world, this is injustice. This shouldn't be done. I I had nothing to do with my forefathers taking this land. And let me explain something to you. If someone steals from you and they pass down that property to their son your son is in possession of stolen property regardless to whom or what right so they definitely need to give back that land and what we know and understand is that under european colonizers we have to go back to the native land act and when this was passed blacks were stripped of ownership leaving only 7% of Africans to actually own any type of land. Now, this was back in 1913. That 7% is down significantly. And a lot of people thought that when Mandela became president of the ANC, that things was going to change. But that didn't happen and we know that it was a compromise you know um a lot of people feel that nelson mandela lost his fight because he was in jail for 27 years and in order to make that compromise that allowed him to get his freedom and i think everything happened in its own good time and i want to say what khalid muhammad said And he said that Africa was the throne, but the kingdom was the entire planet. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, family, I want to let you know that every mineral and every resource that we use today actually comes out of Africa. It's rich with mineral and resources that America depends on. Mm -hmm. So there is a reason why they want the land. Right. Now, tell me a little bit about your experience, because this was the first time, correct, that you've been to the motherland. Correct. What was that like for you? It, it was very spiritual, actually. When, when we landed in Africa, I, I really was almost in tears just to feel like that connection, even though I know most of our ancestors probably didn't come from South Africa, but just to be on a continent, period, was, uh, was spiritual for me. But it, it quickly became... A sad experience though once we we got there and like all the black people were in service roles like all the black people were you know uh cleaning or serving the food and we didn't really see a lot of black people with wealth we did see one neighborhood 
that was uh, considered like middle class that they said was mixed with white and black. Um, but otherwise, everything that was designated for the black people were run down, what they call shanty towns. And another thing that was going on was um, they had supposedly a water shortage, which they warned us about before we went. Mm-hmm. So um, we actually traveled with a suitcase full of water because we thought there would be a water shortage however where we were staying there was no water shortage and we came to find out the water shortage was only in the black neighborhoods and they were actually turning the water off on these people for certain hours during the day like between 5 p.m and 10 p.m there was no water for them but over in where the white people lived, there was no water turn off that's a shame and you know what shout out to the economic freedom fighters because they are the political party that is behind taking back the land from the white colonizers. And um, these are the same individuals when that H&M ad came out, (laughs) they destroyed that store in South Africa. You know, black people are waking up and they are not having it. And white America is in an uproar because they know you know, the days of rulership over black lives is coming to an end. And when that happens, white people, they make it seem like equality feels like oppression when they're used to white privilege. So by them having to relinquish the land back to its original owners, they are screaming that this is racism, we being oppressed. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) there was even a petition. Did you see the petition that was online? Yeah, I saw it. Uh, What do you think about that? And do you think that Trump will actually allow white South Africans to come to America and seek asylum? And if so, do you think that's something that should be done? I I do think Trump will allow it. A lot of them have been turned away. Canada has turned them away. Uh, and I can't remember the other country, but the, I think Australia was one of the other ones. They were petitioning for asylum, too, and they turned them away as well. So it's very possible Trump could allow it. And then my thoughts are that if they are allowed to come here, they are then going to be considered African-Americans, which is going to entitle them to some of those programs, quote unquote, that are supposed to be only for us. But we know that we don't really been white women benefit the most from affirmative action but absolutely they don't really tell us that they make it seem like it's only for black people but if they come here as african-americans trust and believe they're going to soak up every resource they can that are supposed to be for minorities even though they will actually be a part of the majority wow wouldn't that be something they will come over here and on their employment application they will put african-american and they are white as snow yep But the only thing that's going to be the difference and the deciding factor between them and actual African-Americans that live here is that we are going to still be considered niggas and they not. Right. (laughs) That's crazy. Now, everyone is screaming Wakanda forever. But what about Africa today? And that's what we have to be mindful of. We're talking about Africa and a lot of us are talking about returning to Africa ever since the movie Black Panther. Now, I want to tell y'all this. Marcus Garvey said that some of you Negroes are no good here and and you're not going to be no good in Africa. 
So guess what? We don't need everybody going back to Africa. And if we go back there, we need to take our skill sets and help build that motherland up. Because once Africa becomes into political power and be this dominating force as a continent, then and only then America will respect African-Americans here who has a homeland, who has dual citizenship. So that's why it's very important that we travel back to Africa. Well, let me ask you this. And in relation to Africa becoming a, a power, I think that's a lot more convoluted than it than it seems because right now, you know, China is buying up a lot of Africa. And um, there's a lot of people that have their hands in the pot, so to speak, who want pieces of, of Africa. I just learned recently that... Um, the 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 material that's used in cell phones and tablets and laptops comes from absolutely absolutely so like that every for that runs every electronic device we have comes out of uganda so you know somebody already has their hands on that or owns that that's not black and speaking of uganda there's an article and you guys can go look this up on the internet and it talks about chinese workers impregnating Ugandan women and leaving them. So not only are they over there taking the natural resources and building and bringing their people over there, these companies, they get contracts, and what they do is they hire nothing but Chinese to go over there and work. And the Africans are still being subjugated. And a lot of them sisters over there, when they see foreigners and when they see Chinese and Europeans, they automatically assume that they're rich and this is their way out of poverty, but they leave them pregnant. And they have a lot of uh, orphanage babies and and women that's from Uganda that um, after their contract is over, they go back home. But this is nothing new. It's also happening in um, Jamaica. There's so many Chinese over there. I watched a video on YouTube where they was damn near getting ready to start a riot because uh, the Chinese that was over there working and the Jamaicans was lined up around the corner saying, yo, look, we need jobs. And um, as y'all know, the the airport and they building a, a transportation system over there. They building a highway over in Jamaica. And instead of naming the highway, Bob Marley's way, guess what the highway name is? What? Belgian Highway. Wow. Over in Jamaica. They said there's more Chinese uh, signs over there and and, and everything, yeah. And then anything else. And it, it it's a shame. Yeah, speaking of orphanages, when when we went on the trip to Africa, some of the ladies from my group had partnered with a preacher who actually ran in uh, some orphanages out there in one of the villages. And they had the the orphanages divided by skin color. Wow. Like the there was one where all the light-skinned mixed kids were, and then the middle brown-skinned kids, and then the darker kids, what they considered the Bantu. They were all divided. And they were... Um, I guess that's a classism. I don't know what or colorism. Oh, absolutely. But a lot of those kids that were in that orphanage that were mixed and light skinned were products of what you were just talking about. But why did they have a mix though? Didn't anybody ask? Uh, 
I don't remember if anybody asked. I believe the preacher said something to the effect of safety. But I think it was just a throwback to just, you know, the colorism that the, the Dutch people enforced on the South Africans. Wow. And they just, they still have them divided. That's crazy. That's crazy. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. This is Necessary Blackness Podcast and I am your host, Raheem Shabazz. And my co-host today is Shannon and we are talking about the situation in Africa. And we'll be right back after these quick commercial breaks. Elementary Genocide provides a critical expose of mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and the connection between slavery, capitalism, and the prison industrial complex. Visit our website at www.elementarygenocide.com. Now available, Elementary Genocide, the school to prison pipeline. Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration. And the newest release, Elementary Genocide 3, Academic Holocaust. Log on today to purchase your very own three-set docuseries. It is only through the expropriation of land without compensation that our people will be the rightful owners of this country. We cannot keep on saying South Africa belongs to all who live in it, yet we have nothing to show. Today the ANC should come with the EFF, there is 6% available, we give it to you without no condition to, uh, to amend the constitution and take the land. If you don't agree with us today, it means you are disagreeing with Honorable Ayanda Dlodlo. If you don't agree with us today, it means you don't, you don't agree with your outgoing president on the issue of expropriation of land without compensation, even the Minister of Land. This is a matter that can unite black people. This is a matter that all of us should stand together and isolate white monopoly capital. This is a matter that can say to us, this is a genuine call which we as black people can identify with. So the ANC, 6% Shiona, Relefayona, Arjen Lefase, Reliming, Arjen Lefase, Rare di Feme, Arjen Lefase, Refebat Barnava, Bele Marae, Babele, a place to call home. Honorable Nzimande, we have already started taking the land. If you vote against this, it's a waste of time. We are already giving our people the land, and we are not ashamed of that. People of South Africa, where you see a beautiful land, take it, it belongs to you. Okay, we are back from our commercial break real quickly. I want to tell everybody, make sure if you don't already have Elementary Genocide 1, the school to prison pipeline, Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration, and Elementary Genocide 3, Academic Holocaust, make sure you get that. You can get it on our website at elementarygenocide.com. If you prefer to go to Amazon, make sure you leave us a favorable review. We are the people's choice on Amazon. So the documentary is doing exceptionally well. And you can always check us out right here on Necessary Blackness podcast each and every Wednesday. Now we're going to go into another subject matter. We're going to talk about 
situation that's happening in Florida. And this situation involves a white teacher who has a white nationalist podcast called Unapologetic. Right? And in her podcast, she argues that science proves that certain race are smarter than others. And she brags about teaching her students about white nationalism in her classroom. She has since been outed and has been fired from her school. But I want to warn you, family, she got caught. How many other white nationalists are actually occupying the classrooms the fbi has released a report stating that white nationalists has infiltrated law enforcement that was several years ago and we see that is prevalent today and now they are in the classroom teaching your kids so Shannon, I know you heard about this latest breaking news. When you first heard about it, what was your thoughts? My initial thoughts, of course, were outrage. Um, I have a child who is in school, elementary school, and just the thought that this could be happening or one of my daughter's teachers could be someone who's pushing that ideal, ideolo- ideology was um, alarming. Um, I think that's why it's important that we work on building up the schools in our own neighborhoods that that employ our black teachers instead of running to the white neighborhoods and wanting to put our kids in the white schools. And I understand why uh, education levels are better based on, um, you know, the, the amount of money that are put into those schools. But I don't know if you know, but I, I ran uh, the year before last for a seat on the school board mm-hmm. and I won. And um, just being there, I've, I've learned a lot just about how those things happen in the in the school system. But one of the things that really was disheartening to me was that uh, the way they determine how to allocate funding to schools is based on a, a, some a set of criteria that's just hard for black people in certain neighborhoods yeah it's, it's based on real estate property and real income estate property bracket. income mm-hmm. also uh things like how long the students stay at that school for instance if that school has a lot of kids that stay like kindergarten through fifth grade they stay there the whole time the retention is one of the things that gets them funding well if you have kids that go to school in a neighborhood where most of the parents live in apartments they're not going to have a lot of retention because people don't stay in apartments for very long you know uh when you renew on a lease the, the rent goes up so absolutely people people move and so if the kids aren't staying those schools don't get that money yeah it's it's very unfortunate and that's why we have to take community controls of our schools and we have to determine who are going to be the teachers for our youth because these are the generation's next leaders and this situation is very appalling because had she not been caught then there is another generation of black nationalists that are being bred right here in the United States public school system being paid for by taxpayers dollars right and the most ironic thing about this is that once she got caught <laughs> and then, and this is what white people do you know um they don't accept 
uh, full responsibility for their actions and their wicked deeds. But once she was caught and after she was fired, uh, she released a statement through her attorney saying that her comments was political satire and Mm -hmm. that she exaggerated her persona and that it was just a hobby. Right. You know, um, that ain't work. Mm -mm. And um, let's be clear. Her colleagues and her administration, they knew what her views was. You know, how could they not? And and for those who are employed in the public and private sector, you know, you know the views of who your co-workers are. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there was some telltale sign of who this individual was and it was being ignored. Um, from what I understand, this was a, a predominantly uh, white school. Right. So she was able to uh, get away with it. Um, but time and time again, we see these stories in the news headline. Uh, for instance, there was a teacher last week that told the females in the class to not ever date African-American males because they are lazy. Right. And he used the N-word repatedly in the conversation. He said they're not worth it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, what did they give him? A 10-day suspension? 10 days. 10 days. So he will be back in the classroom in front of that chalkboard uh, teaching your children. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a shame. Mm -hmm. Now, what was this teacher's name? Uh, she was going by the pseudonym Tiana Dolichov, and I could be pronouncing that wrong, but it was uh, Tiana Dolichov. And what was the uh, name of the school? I know it was in Florida. Uh, the school was Crystal River Middle School. You see, we come with receipts. Shannon is the fact checker over here. So now we speaking of schools. Now, recently, President Trump said that he will give teachers who are armed a bonus on their paycheck. But the problem is most teachers in America don't even have enough money for school supplies. Mm -hmm. But you can give them a bonus on their paycheck. Now, this is the problem with that. We already discussed in numerous podcasts and extensively in the documentary, the disparity in the suspension and the criminalization of our youth from the school to the prison pipeline and how a lot of black youth are being adjudicated juvenile delinquents um, from situations that happen in school. So a lot of these schools are being run and taught by uh, white males uh, specifically. And I don't know um, if you know this, but um, 75% of white teachers run the school system and teachers in the school system. Out of that 75%, 25% are married to law enforcement officers. Mm. So here it is. You have the white teacher that mentally miseducates you, and you have the white male that physically locks you up. Mm. So now you want to have armed teachers in classrooms. Mm. And Florida, Mm. by the way, just passed a bill 
that allows teachers now to be armed in the school. Wow. That just happened in, se- in several other states mm-hmm. are trying to uh, adopt that legislation. So when this does happen, and it's going to happen, family, um, the people that are going to um, feel the blunt of this situation are black youth. Mm-hmm. You know, they already look at us as super predators and unwillful, defiant, where you probably being unruly or talking back, you know, as they call, you know, with females, being sassy to the teacher. They can pull out a gun now and they can shoot you and say they was fearful for their life. Right. You know, you this is not going to stop uh, terrorism attacks. Um, as you see, they have resource officers in the school mm-hmm. and terrorists still come in there and shoot up the school. So if you have officers, as in Parkland, that didn't even go inside the school and right. stayed outside uh, and they're trained, mm-hmm. what do you think a, a, a teacher is going to do? So w- what are your thoughts on that? I, I agree with what, with what you're saying. The people who are going to really suffer from that arming the teachers are going to be the black youth. We've already seen examples of extreme uh, discipline against the black youth. I, I don't remember which state this happened in, but where the resource op- officer flipped the black girl over in the desk. Yeah, yeah, that was South Carolina. That was South Carolina, yeah. And I don't think he lost his job either. Oh, absolutely not. So, and everybody, not everybody, I should say, white people defended it and said, oh, she was, she was disrespectful, which still didn't warrant what he did to her. But just think if if the teacher was armed and was able to pull out a weapon, she might have died that day just yes. for, for getting smart or being disrespectful or not following directions, which we know kids will do sometimes. But as, as we've often seen, black kids are not allowed to be kids. White kids get passes on so many things and is considered just being a kid or, or they're still learning. But black kids are expected to be obedient at all times or else they could be at, at risk of losing their lives. So... Now, instead of just suspending unruly students, the government wants to arm teachers so that they can give out the ultimate punishment, which is death by gunshot wounds coming from someone that's supposed to be nurturing your mind that's going to be in a position to physically take your life. And this is happening right here in the land of the home. And what is it? The land of the, the home of the free, land of the brave. Nah, <laughs> I don't like even that. I don't even remember it right. because it, it has no uh, truth or validity. Right. So yeah, that's what we living in right now, and it's a shame because we are trained in a racist system on how it treats us to what we're willing to accept. And that's how this system is judged. Whatever you're willing to accept, that's what they're going to do. And white supremacy don't operate without black compliance. So what you have to do, parents, is you have to be proactive in the school board. And Shannon talked about being on the school board. If we don't show up and our voices are not heard, then you're going to have policies like this in place. And we also need to become teachers Mm -hmm. and caretakers in our community. You know, 
We have to do it, family. Right. So, Shannon, what else do you want to talk about? Um, I think to even piggyback off that about being proactive in our schools, we don't give ourselves enough credit because um, when I attend a lot of the PTA meetings and the school board meetings, they're sometimes it's standing room only. So the black parents are coming out. Even the parents that get stereotyped for how they look, they might, you know, look a certain way, have tattoos, whatever the case may be. They are there supporting their kids, but there's only so much they can do. Um, as we all know, most of us are what we like to call they're, they're in survival mode. They got bills to pay. They got jobs. Some, some of them working more than one job. So they want to be there to support. But um the thing is, we're, the, the school system is not supporting them. The school system is not giving as much as they're giving to these other school districts. And the, the principal of the school where I'm, where I'm actually based at, she's an awesome person, Pr Principal Wallace. Um, shout out to her over in East Point. She is doing so much, but she pointed out something to me that while she was petitioning the school board for parenting classes and resources to help the parents find jobs, uh, we got schools over in Sandy Springs who were petitioning for money to hire a Japanese teacher. So that just a disparity there. Like they're going to be being taught a second language while we're over here trying to help the parents find employment. I think finding employment for parents is uh, very important um, because we know that once a family has someone that's gainfully employed, they're able to have access to certain resources, but also having that second language is another determined factor right. on what type of job you're going to get when you enter the workforce and doing it at a younger age in their informative years is very, very, very important. So that's why we have to, family, we have to take back control of our schools and if we can't take back control of our school systems then we need to become the teacher and we need to start homeschooling our kids because as you see they're not going to do this in a public school and no. if you give satan an inch he will become your ruler. Yeah, the pu the public schools are limited as well because they have to follow that curriculum that the the system gives to them. And homeschooling is awesome. I mean, I, I a lot of us, I'm sure, wish we could homeschool, but those of us who have to work, you know, homeschooling is not an option. I think the community homeschooling would be something that would be very good if we could pool together and form like a a community home a, a cooperative a cooperative and, and you know they do have that here in Atlanta and they have over 14 from the last time I counted and I'm sure there's more now but they have over 14 Afrocentric schools so although homeschooling might not be the necessary solution depending on your um, circumstance then you need to send them to an Afrocentric school mm -hmm. And that definitely needs to be something that we look at and um, make it happen. Right. So we're going to end this podcast. But before we end, uh, Shannon, it was definitely a pleasure to have you here with us. And um, this has been your first time. And I hope it's not going to be your last. Definitely not. And for those that want to connect with you, on social media where could they find you at 
Uh, the best place would be on Instagram at Conscious Vixen. Uh, DM me, add me, follow me. I'll follow you back. Um, I, I post a lot of stuff. I have a lot of discussions there. And um, I'm always open to new discussions and new ideas. I'm not so set in my thinking that I can't be introduced or taught anything. So I'm always open to discussion. What about Facebook? Uh, Facebook, uh, Shannon Young. If I know that's a common name, but if you can find me on there, it'd be Shannon Young. If you're friends with Raheem, you can look under him and you'll see us as a common friend. Yeah, yeah. And, and family. The reason why I say what's up with your Facebook, because Shannon has a lot of very thought-provoking commentaries. And um, I like to um, read uh, a lot of your posts. And um, I remember one time... <laughs> Yeah, I said something and somebody was really, really going in on me. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I said what I said mm-hmm. and, and I stand by it. And um, you had, I'm talking about, you went in on this person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause yeah, I, you know, I'm a defend mine. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, that's 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 what's up. And actually, I don't, I, I can't really recall the conversation, but I know she was a, a, a female. She was a black woman, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I didn't want to be the one to really like go extra, extra hard. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you came to the rescue. Yeah. So shout out to Shannon for that. <laughs> Yeah. You know, y'all trolls out there, man. Make sure, man, y'all, y'all, you know, if y'all going to say anything, you better say something of significant. I like to keep the trolls around, though. They they keep me on my feet. And they keep you on your feet? They do. Yeah, it, it, it depends, you know, because a lot of times, man, some of them, they'll say something and you just can just like, okay, he want to be seen. He right. want to be heard. Mm-hmm. But some of them um, try to, um, you know, um, dispel what is factual and try to mix it with lies and a lot of them are are handkerchief head negroes you know they got the stockholm syndrome oh yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely and um you know hopefully they'll come around and they'll they'll see the light of the day a lot of times what has to happen is they have to experience racism and white supremacy Mm -hmm. and be in a situation where it directly affects them and then you know those are the same individuals you'll see that be on the front line. Right. And um, so that's it for us right here on Necessary Blackness Podcast. Make sure you check us out each and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. You can check us out on iTunes. You can check us out on Google Play. You can check us out on Spreaker. And you can also make sure you hit us up on our YouTube page. We have all our broadcasts on there. Just do a search for our Necessary Blackness podcast, and we'll see you next week, same time, same place. Shout out to Gorilla Public Clothing. That is our official sponsor for this podcast. And anybody that's interested in advertising on the Necessary Blackness podcast, you can hit us up by simply sending an email to necessaryblackness at gmail.com. My name is Raheem Shabazz. I'm Shannon. And we out of here. Peace.